Well, I wanted to start today uh, with the acknowledgement that today is a day that could go down in infamy with the Patriots possibly winning. And so I'm, um, I've been struggling because I want to like, I want to root for somebody, but I, I don't, I don't have a dog in the fight, but I find myself wanting to root against the Patriots. Is that, I think that's just totally wrong. I mean, but I just, I, I, I can't help it. So uh, how many guys are watching the game? How many guys feel super excited about the Super Bowl? Okay, we've got a few. I, I've, I haven't felt as excited, but maybe I'll get pumped once the food starts coming out. Okay, we got a few late hands. All right, you're with me. Well, hey, if you're new, I wanted to welcome you. Welcome to Whitewater. Uh, you made it to church. This is awesome. And uh, we, this is a place we want you to belong before you believe, to find acceptance before you change. And I think we, that we find in church and when we give our lives to God or as we start moving towards faith in Christ, this amazing thing happens. We realize that not only does God accept us as we are, but he doesn't let us stay where we are. He moves us forward and he changes us. And I want to encourage you, if you pursue faith, doesn't matter if you don't even know God, you don't believe in him, yet you're trying to figure that out, or maybe you've been following God for a long time. The reality is when you pursue him wholeheartedly, um, I, in six months to a year, you will not recognize yourself. You give your, yourself fully to that process, like change after change after change will happen. I've seen so many lives change um, for him over the years. And so God will do a work in your life. I wanted to encourage you with that. Let me pray and we will get started. Heavenly Father, I just know that on um, days like this, people can come in from totally different backgrounds, totally different things going on in their life. Um, but many people are carrying heavy burdens, Lord. Um, many people are down emotionally. Many people are down and out because of something going on in their life. And they need a word of encouragement. They need a word of, of change. Lord, they need a word of hope. And I pray that today you would lift hearts and souls that, are, that need you, that need a word of encouragement, that need your power in their life. Lord, would we, every person who comes through these doors today, Lord, would we walk away having something changed in our heart. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're, we're doing this uh, series called 21 Days of Prayer. We're, we're, we're trying to focus on prayer as a church. Are you guys okay with that? Some of you guys are okay with that? Hopefully you're okay with that. Um, <laughs> well, I'm excited about it, but um, here's, the, here's the deal. Um, a lot of times people, when they think about prayer, um, depending on where you're at, uh, it kind of freaks them out because they're like, well, how do I pray? Or you might not even believe yet. Like, I don't, should I even be here while they're doing this prayer thing? Because like, I don't know that I actually pray. But here's the reality. Um, it doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, whether you believe in God or not. Humans are designed for prayer. I'm telling you, we are designed for prayer. Whenever, like when we're going through great struggle, when we're going through hard times, even atheists will cry out, at the possibility that there might be something greater than themselves. Because here's the reality. When we feel like life is out of control, we are designed to reach out for something greater than ourselves that just might be able to be in control of what we are not. Does that make sense? So it doesn't matter what religion you're part of or whether you, you aren't part of any religious beliefs, we are designed to cry out, to reach out for help when the chips are down, when life is like going crazy, we will cry out for help. Um, there's an old statement that, that, that there's, there are no atheists in foxholes. And it's saying is, man, when, when life is tough, like all of us uh, need someone. And sometimes prayer can be misdirected. Prayer can be directed to the wrong things, for sure. And the, 
the Christian faith and the scriptures teach us to, 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 to have a prayer life that, that changes things, that changes us and, and, and makes an impact. We have, to, we have to direct our prayers to the creator, to the source of all life. And when we do that, it's like, it's like things change. And that source of life and energy and love, it all of a sudden starts pouring into our life and God starts using us and working in ways that we might not have ever expected. And so uh, we're gonna, as we go into the 21 days of prayer, I want you to know if you feel like, man, I never pray or I pray a little bit or only when I'm in trouble, I'll throw a few Hail Marys out there. Or maybe you've been praying a lot and you've got a, a really great prayer life. I think anybody and everybody in this room can probably agree, maybe I could take a step of faith and turn up the heat of prayer in my life. Maybe I could just turn it up a little bit. Maybe I can pray a little bit more. Maybe I can learn to pray out loud. I don't normally pray out loud. Maybe I can just work on some of those things. Maybe I can start having regular prayer in my life. And maybe, just maybe, if you don't believe in God, maybe you can dare to pray and ask him to help you have faith, help you see him. Everybody can, can apply prayer to their life. Now, I wanted to give you guys five reasons we're doing this series of 21 days. We're going to focus on it. That's three weeks, three Sundays. We're going to focus on prayer. And so the first one, the first reason is this. Uh, prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer moves the hand of God. Uh, and prayer is simply, if you're just like, man, I don't even know where to start. Prayer is simply talking with God. It's just talking with God. But it's talking with God as if he actually is God. It's not talking to God as if he's like this uh, vending machine in the sky that you're just trying to get things from. You know, like that, that's an unhealthy relationship. Like prayer is talking with God, expecting to hear from him, sharing what's on your heart, building a relationship, and expecting God to be God. Not, a, not an absentee father that you're talking to. Not a, not a horrible boss in the sky somewhere. Um, but God as a loving, good Father, the God as God, the Creator. And when we talk with God as God, we expect Him to do amazing things. And uh, the thing I've always uh, found out about the Lord and my relationship with Him is He can do a- as much and more than I can ever expect from Him. So I think that's a good reason to pray, is that God's hand moves in the world around us. Number two is uh, many of us get busy and distracted. How many people are busy and sometimes get distracted? Few of us, some of you guys aren't listening right now. How many of you guys get distracted? Okay, you're back. Good, good. Just checking. Um, many of us get busy and distracted, and our discipline or our habit of prayer starts to decline. Um, most of us who believe in God, most of us who are maybe even thinking about believing in God, could probably, if we were honest, probably admit that we, we could use um, better habits of prayer in our life. Better habits of prayer. And, and, and the more you grow in prayer, the, the greater your relationship is with God. Here, here's something that's interesting. Prayer is a habit. It is a discipline. It is something that you have to, to practice and to do. Other people can't do your praying for you. People can pray for you, but they can't do your praying for you. I, I had a friend tell me, there's a guy with a business who, who called him up and was like, hey, I'm really wanting to succeed in business, and I had, a, I had a failure over here, and I feel like my business is going really well, but when, I, when I've had people pray for me, my business has started to grow. He's like, so I really want to work on my prayer life. He's like, well, what do you, what do you, what do you need me to help you with? He's like, well, I want to actually hire you to pray for, for me. Um, he's like, pray for your business or pray on your behalf. He's like, yeah, I just don't have time to pray, so I want you to pray uh, um, for me. He was going to delegate his prayer life. <laughs> My friend, being a good pastor, was able to kind of share with him that's not quite how it works. 
Reminds me of that moment in uh, Force Awakens, if any of you guys are Star Wars fan, fans, when you know, they're trying to figure out how are they going to take out the Starbase. And he, and he goes, well, use the Force. And Han Solo says, that's not how the Force works. Some of us don't maybe understand the power of prayer, and, and we have to realize that we can't just delegate it to other people. It comes through us. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback right now. Even if you despise the Patriots, most people would admit that right now he is one of the top quarterbacks in the league, and he's also one of the oldest. How is that possible? He is a, he is a creature of habit. He has coaches, he has people around him helping him build the skills of being a great quarterback so that he's in his 40s and he's doing better than anybody's ever done. Um, We'll see what happens today though, right? But there's a principle in there. Are we training ourselves to be prayer warriors so that we get stronger and stronger in our prayer lives as we go forward? Something to think about. Here's another reason. Um, Prayer helps us grow spiritually. It helps us spiritually mature. Here's a sad reality in the world we live in, and here's a sad reality in the church um, of Jesus Christ, of the community of faith. Um, many people are growing uh, older, but not many are growing up. People are growing older without growing up. And, and, and prayer helps us see from God's perspective, not just our perspective. Prayer helps us step outside of our you know, self-centered situation and to see a bigger perspective a bigger vista a bigger vision and it also helps us align with the father's heart and when our hearts start aligning with god's when we can start seeing um, outside of our own perspective we can start seeing from god's perspective we start to grow in maturity and i want you guys to grow i want to grow spiritually i want to i want to mature um here's the fourth one all great movements all great movements of God, start with prayer. All great revivals, if you track it back, all great renewals throughout history have started with prayer. Prayer is like this hidden force behind it. It's like the weapon of the kingdom of God that like, we don't, we, I think we underestimate the power of prayer. Um, Jesus' disciples, when the Jesus movement started, they got to witness Jesus healing people. Casting demons out, raising people from the dead, feeding thousands of people from like just a few loaves. I mean, doing miraculous thing after miraculous thing. And it's interesting to me that when Jesus was gathered with his disciples, um, they, they wanted to learn something foundational. And after witnessing all his miracles, they did not ask him to teach them how to heal somebody. They did not ask him how to raise somebody from the dead or cast a demon out. The thing they asked Jesus, they, when, they came, when they got to ask him, could you teach us this thing? They asked him to teach them how to pray. Because in the, in the Jewish tradition and in what they had seen, they knew that, that the power of, of miracles, the power that was coming through his life was from the Father. They knew that they needed to allow God to be God in their life. That they didn't need to seek miracles for popularity and relevance and um, credibility's sake. That they just wanted to learn how to pray like Jesus prayed. As if God was really God and that God could move like only God can move. That's what they wanted to learn. And so if we are wanting to like pray for 21 days, one of the big reasons is we want to see God move. And movements from God starts with prayer um in fact many of us 
we might be aware of it, we might not be, but if you were to look back at your life and you were to look at the moments where God has moved, where God has saved, where God has redeemed, where God has reconciled, or maybe for the first time you stepped into a saving relationship with God, somebody was probably praying for that to happen. Somebody was praying for you to have that reconciliation in your life. Someone was praying for you to have somebody come into your life and help you, save you, be with you. Somebody was praying for you to have an, like a, a relationship that, that gives you an eternal, eternal life with God the Father. Someone was praying for you. Prayer preceded God's move in your life. Somebody loved you enough to pray for you. And I think that's the reality. I want our church to be praying for God to move, to be praying for people that we love, to be praying that God would change not only our lives, but the lives of others around us. Because when we do that, we'll see him move. And the fifth reason is we're going into this season of faith. We're having a faith campaign where we want to see our church uh, just change, like grow in faith. A lot of people want the results of faith. Not a lot of people are willing to live a life of faith. Trusting God big. Expecting him to do the miraculous. And that's, what we're, that's where we're headed. And so as we pray, I want us to be praying for that and God be preparing our hearts. Amen? Amen. So those are five reasons that we're doing this. I, um, I don't like going into doctor's appointments. How many of you guys like going into doctor's appointments? Anybody love scheduling those and going to have like the diagnostic taken, needles, blood taken, you know, all, you know, just, I, I can't stand it. My wife gets angry at me because she loves to schedule those appointments because she wants to know if there's anything wrong. She wants to know what's wrong. I'm like from the, I, 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 I subscribe to a different way of thinking. Like I would just prefer not to know. It kind of freaks me out thinking all the things that could be wrong. So I may as well just not think about it at all. And it won't happen if I don't think about it at all. Right. <laughs> But what is it? I don't know what it is, but it could be bad. You know, who knows what it is that could happen to me, but I just don't even want to think about it. My, it drives my wife crazy. So she, she uh, recently, well, in the last year and a half, has been like, you got you to gotta go to the dentist. I guess that's, she's got a point there. Um, you got to go to the doctor. So I went to the doctor and got, you know, diagnostic. diagnostic. And then she found out from my mom that uh, my side of the family has like a history of like skin cancer. And I was like, Mom, why'd you tell her that? You know, like, she's a total hypochondriac on my behalf. And, uh, and, and my wife's like, you have to go. Have you ever been to the skin doctor, the dermatologist? And I'm like, why would I go there? Like, what, could, what, what news could I possibly get that would be good? And she's like, you need to go. Like, just in case there's a problem, you've got a history. I'm finally, I'm like, yes, I'll go. So I go to this thing. I get into this room. They put you in this room. And then they, they, they gave me this, what I thought was an oversized napkin and said put this on I was like you mean like tuck it and, it and I had to put on this humiliating barely cover I mean this is probably terrible imagery but like just barely covering the legs I like had to like clench and just try to tie this thing and it just like barely covering and it humiliating and this uh, you know older gal comes in and she's the she's the dermatologist she just had the eyes of a dermatologist like real like like, like they love scrutiny they love to like look and see and find what's wrong with you. You know, they just see the gift of, of, of controlled scrutiny and slander. You know, just like right there and looking at me. And I just was like, and there's some other gal that walked in that was like her, you know, helper, assistant. And, and just like immediately like looked at my skin, started pulling at my skin, stretching it and, and going, hmm. And hmm. And then, you know, whispering over here to her assistant. I'm just like, what's going on? And you know, like turn around. I'm like, mm-mm, nope, nope. <laughs> 
You know, just the most humiliating. You just, I just, I just felt, it was awful, you guys. It was awful. At the end of this thing, it's terrible. And uh, the, the, the dermatologist was like, um, is, is this, is this uh, did your family have bad skin? Is that how you got such bad skin? I was like, yes, I got it from my family. Thank you. And um, thank you very much. But and I had something burned off my skin and found out like a no cancer, which was really good. Got to come back to Sarah after this humiliating process and say, fine, there's nothing wrong. I'm good. And she's like, did you schedule it for next year? I was like, fine, I will. How many of you guys like exams? Oh, I can't. I hate exams. There's this there's this scripture in the, New Te- in the Old Testament from Psalms 139, and it says this. It says, um, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns, my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. It's a guy named David who wrote this, King David, the Old Testament. It's a king. And he had the kind of relationship with God where he welcomed the spiritual exam. And we live in a day and age where they can figure out all kinds of things. They can take x-rays, they can take MRIs, they can, they can look at you in so many different ways. But only God knows you inside and out. And David was willing to submit himself to the spiritual exam. God, let you search my life. Look into my heart. Look into the patterns of my life. And let me know if there's anything that I need to know. Make me aware of what I'm not aware of. I'm telling you, this is one of the most courageous prayers you can pray. And in this 21 days of prayer, I wanted us to start by looking at ourselves and letting God look at us and being real and saying, God, what is going on in my life? Having a spiritual exam. And I, you know, to be honest, like, this prayer scares me sometimes. I'm like, I, do I really want to know what's going on? You know, I, I kind of want to say, Lord, search me and then keep it to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep it to yourself. And, you know, don't tell my wife. And if you do, have her keep it to herself. <laughs> you know, I don't need to know. I don't want to know. But there's something. We had Randy, Pastor Randy spoke on um, humility last week. There's something so humbling when we come and say, God, search me. Test me. Reveal to me and then lead me. Let me know what's going on in me. I want to talk to you guys about four elements that can really change your um, prayer life when you pray this prayer. The first thing, if you have your notes, is search me. Search me, God. Know my heart. Psalms 139, if you look at the beginning of this prayer written by David, verses 1 through 3 say this, Lord, you have searched me. You know me. You know, when I sit down and when I stand up, you understand my thoughts from afar. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. There is no hiding from you. There's no hiding. You know everything. I can fool other people. I can have the facade. I can have, you know, my relationships, you know, all under control. But you know the control problems that I might have that no one else knows. You know the anxieties I have. You know who I am. Search me. Well, what is God searching for? I, I, you know, why does David say, search my heart first and foremost? In Jeremiah 17, 9, it says this, the, the heart is more deceitful than anything else. 
and incurable. Who can understand it? Like, who can understand their own heart? So we have to say, God, help me understand my own heart. Like, the inward thoughts, like, the, the, the desires, the emotions, the way I think. Like, like, look at who I am so that you can share with me who I am. The heart is more deceitful. I mean, what it's saying is like, we know how to deceive ourselves better than any creature on the planet. There are things that we are unaware of in our life that we need to know, but we do not know. That self-deception often is more common than self-awareness. How many of you guys know that? You ever see somebody, they're walking around and they've got some, they've got some blind spots. And you're like, ooh, look at that blind spot. Like that pattern, that's painful. How many of you guys know that? How many of you guys, have, you know, friends or people like that? You look at their eye and you're just like, ooh, there's some things that, that, that I don't think they're aware of that. How many of you think that you have some blind spots? There's a few people like, no, I, I think I'm pretty aware. Usually the people who think they're aware have some areas that they're very unaware of. Very unaware of. I have a friend, Michael uh, Hart. He was actually up here uh, doing announcements. On the first, I think it was the first time I met him. We were at like uh, Journey Track. You know, it's, the, it's how people grow, and and uh, it's our discipleship track, and it was it's awesome. And and I first was meeting him. There were all these people there, and we were talking. It was before we started, and and he came up to me with uh, his phone, and, and he said, "Hey, look at this cool thing on the internet." And I looked at it, and it, and it said, "Your fly is down." I'm like, "What is that? What is that?" I was like, "Oh." And then I, I realized he was telling me a message, trying not to embarrass me, but like I had been sitting on the table and like, you know, like, hey guys, and you know, welcome in. And, and I was thinking, I was like, did I preach with it down? And, and I was like, Michael, th-, I was like, my fly is down, everybody. And Michael was the only one who was willing to tell me, all of you are not my friends, you know? <laughs> you know, they didn't want to tell me the fly was down. Michael, he was willing to. So there's this reality that the people often will see, like when we got the tear in our pants, when we got the blind spot, they will see, sometimes they just haven't told us because they're afraid of hurting our feelings. If we want to grow, though, we need to know. If we don't want to head down a path of destruction and hurt with, with, and being unaware of certain sin or being unaware of certain blind spots, we, we need to know. We need to know. Nobody's perfect. Bill Heibel said we all have 3.4, an average of 3.4 major blind spots in our life. The question is, are we aware of them? The second question is, are we doing anything about it? Because you can be aware of your issues and not do a thing about it. How many of you know that? I've got to continue jumping into this because we only got so much time. But search me. First part of the prayer. Second part of the prayer is test me. Test me. Uh, Psalms 139 again says, Search me, God, know my heart, test me, and know my concerns. Know my concerns. Uh, I wonder what your answer to this question would be. If I were to say, hey, what are your anxieties these days? What are your major concerns these days? What consumes your mind? What, what are you worried about? What would your answer be? I think we live in a, a, a world, a, a, an age of anxiety. We've talked about this from the last series, series where we've got technology and we've got, we're, no one's content and we, we want more. We have this disease of more and, and, and nothing's ever perfect and we want to be in control. And there's all these reasons that we might have to, 
to have anxiety, right? There's, and the people are handing out meds like crazy because anxiety, like, like anxiety never existed, you know, before the last 50 years, but now all of a sudden we have it and luckily we have medications for it. And I don't, I don't want to like put, like some of us need medication. Some of us need counseling. Some of us need community that's really helping us target these things. But at the end of the day, we need to be able to, to identify why we are having these anxieties and wh- what are the anxieties about? A lot of men have a lot of fear, concerns. They have fear. But men in our culture, because we're American, we don't want to show fear. So we're not, we're not afraid. We're angry. And so fear comes out in the form of anger. But really, men, if we were honest, like we're scared about this. And we don't, we don't want to talk about it. But it's, you know, like, we're afraid of people. We're afraid of disappointing this person. We're afraid of not, um, you know, not, not accomplishing this. How many, of you, how many of you guys are, like, people-oriented? You, like, you don't like disappointing people. That causes anxiety. A few of us here? You guys are nodding? Yeah. You're disappointing me if you don't put your hand up. Um, just want to make sure. That, that, for me, I, I have that people-pleasing tendency. I, I want people to like me. I don't want to disappoint people. How many of you guys um, are, like, task-oriented? You've got, like, lists. You've got like lists at home, you've got lists at work, you've got a list right now, and you know which boxes are checked. How many of you guys know this? And there's like that one that hasn't been checked, and it's bugging you even right now. How many of you guys, how many of you are married to that person or connected to that person, and you know they have a list? Oh, someone just got punched up here. I'm sorry, I'm causing strife. Not meaning to do that. What are you worried about these days? Um, a, a pastor I really... Um, have learned a lot from him, Bob Merritt. He says this, where I'm fearing the most is where I'm trusting God the least. Think about that. Where, where I am fearing the most is where I am trusting God the least. When I think about my life and what I get scared about, it's so easy for that to take over, like when I'm scared about my daughter, scared about like the world that is going on around us and my little girl's going to grow up in this you know I just think about the hardship and the rea- you know the levels of awareness as kids develop and she's going to have to be aware of some hard things you know that scares me as a dad and I and it can it, it's easy for these things to start worrying and you start worrying about your worries and why am I so worried about this and I shouldn't be worried and you're anxious about your anxiety you know what I mean and like it just starts building where we are worried the most is often where we have, we're trusting God the least. We're not letting God enter that situation. And I want to challenge us uh, today, those of you who are sitting here or joining us online, I want to challenge us today to learn to allow fear and concern to actually be the trigger that drives us to God. Because we will have fears. We're not supposed to like, never, like fear is, a, is an emotion that comes up and lets us know something is wrong. Just like anger. But when fear begins driving us, that's where the problems happen. What if we turned fear into the trigger that drove us to trust God more? Oh God, I'm, I'm getting afraid of this thing again. Would you help me to... Lord, you've got this in control. I'm going to hand it to you. I'm going to trust you. My family member is... Like, we don't know if they're going to make it. I, I'm so freaked out of my mind. I don't know if I can handle it. I don't know if my family members can handle this person being gone. Like, I'm... God, I'm going to hand it to you. And even if I lose this person, I know that I can trust you. Like what, if, like, what if that became your pattern? Let fear, let anxiety, let your concerns be the trigger 
to trust God more, not less. Let's, keep, let's continue moving. Reveal me is the third. Reveal me. Um, Psalms 139, it says, in 24, it says, see if there's any offensive way in me. See if there's any offensive way. What it's asking is, would you reveal anything to me that I have going on inside? That I, the blind spots, like we we're talking about. And the thing about blind spots, when you're driving, you can have like the best vision ever. You can have the best skills, the best reflexes. But if you have a blind spot, like everyone has, or a few blind spots, like that's the thing that'll get you. Perfect vision, perfect skills, perfect everything. And then you don't see the car that's right next to you. And then boom, causes the accident. And I, I'm telling you, there's so many lives that are just a wreck. They're just like a shipwreck. Because like, there's, these, there's these blind spots we have. And we have, we've never asked God. And we've never opened ourselves up to people we trust. To say, hey, could you help me? What, where, where am I struggling? Where do I, what do I not see? What is the 3.4 blind spots that I have in my life. What would that look like if we became more aware? What would it take? Might be a better question. What would it take for you to be willing to ask that question? To be willing to begin changing and working on some of these things? I think sometimes we have a vague awareness, but we don't realize how bad some of our blind spots are. How much they're hurting our relationships. How much they're impacting our families and our work and our relationship with God. Sometimes I just don't think we're aware. Um, I was thinking about this this week. What, what are George's blind spots? <laughs> and I was like, man, what, what can I, th-? you know, I was just struggling. What could I think of? And like, how, how could I be vulnerable? And I was like, ah. And it, you know, hit me in the last year and a half. I've been working on trying to be vulnerable. It, being vulnerable is hard for me. It's hard to be vulnerable about being vulnerable. My brain doesn't want to go there. Um, about a year and a half ago, I, you know, I opened myself up to some people that I trust and was just like, hey, what are some blind spots? And one of the big ones that came, came out was this vulnerability thing. It came out in the form of like, like uh, you don't ask for help ever. You take on more and more on yourself. You don't share how you're feeling sometimes. I'm like, what are you talking about? I share how I, how I feel. I have no problem with that. I ask people for help when I need help, which is not very often because I can handle things. <laughs> I can handle it. It's not my fault that other people can't handle it, that I can handle things. And um, it really hit me because this was a theme from people I trusted the feedback I got, it was like, man, you struggle delegating, you struggle asking for help. <laughs> it kept coming up. I was like, these people are just idiots. You know, they don't know that. And uh, it really hit me when I started um, looking. I was like, well, what is the impact? If this is true, what's, what's the impact? And um, there are people that were working around me, people in my family, and people in my circle, whether at work or at home, that were struggling because of this. Because they felt, oh man, if he doesn't open up about these things or he doesn't feel hurt or like, then I, I, I shouldn't be feeling this way and I shouldn't open up. So people were doing what I was doing and not opening up about how they were feeling about things. And also, since he takes on more and more and more, then I should be able to take more and more, even if they're not designed to take on what I was taking on. Does that make sense? And like people were taking on all these burdens and, and it, was, it was just impacting everyone. 
and I, I want people to be able to be honest and tell me what they're thinking, what they're feeling, ask for help. But he doesn't ask for help, so I guess I shouldn't ask for help. And it was impacting all these people around me. It was devastating to realize that. Total blind spot. Total blind spot. Because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I ask for help when I need it. But I started asking the question, um, and I would encourage you to ask questions about if you find out what your blind spot is, why do you have that blind spot? Why does George have this? And when I, when I started digging into it, I started looking at my family, started looking at my habits and my patterns. And um, what I found was my family, it was, it was a, a virtue to be a, a hard worker and to not ask for help and not to complain, not to share emotions uh, that you might be going through because I, I don't want to... I don't want to burden somebody. Do you ever grow up in a family like that? I don't want to burden anybody. I don't want to burden them with my emotions. I don't want to burden them. But th- there can be some truth there, but if that becomes the overriding mode of living, like then, then I don't share anything or ask for any help because I got it handled. That's also a sign of weakness, like going back with the men in my family. Like you don't want to ask for help. You want to show that you can do this. You want to show that you can handle it. And you want to help other people. There's desire to help other people. And the way to help other people is to take on their burden. So we take on more and more and more and more and more. And, uh, and it was unhealthy, at the expense of family, at the expense of health. Like, I'll take more and more and more and more. And, and uh, so there's this, do you see where, the, where it's connected? And uh, I had to confront that. And then the, the, the deepest one, I think, was this. Um, I realized, growing up, my dad's a pastor, my grandpa's pastor, and so we work with people a lot. And in the church, what, what happened sometimes that I saw with my family growing up was that people would want to bless them, want to help my family. And so they'd do something nice for our whole family or my dad or my mom. And, and they'd be, do something to bless us. And it was really cool. But some people, some, so, some people would do it because they loved us. Some people would bless and, do, and help our family. Not to help our family, but because they wanted something from us. Does that make sense? I grew up sometimes where people would do nice things for in the church, not to give, but to get something for my family. And so I began to develop a resistance because I don't like feeling controlled. I don't like feeling like I have to owe somebody just because they've done something. Because to me, that's not a gift. You're trying to get something. for. You're giving yourself a gift by giving something to me or my family. Does that make sense? Now, not everybody's like that. In fact, most people aren't. But I, res- I think I started to respond and not asking for help and not being vulnerable about, about those things because I didn't want to owe somebody something. And so this pattern started in my life. But the, that's the wrong answer. The answer, like, I, here's my, here are my fears. Here, if you want to know some, like, the things, I, blind spots, things I have to work on and I constantly have to think about is, like, I don't like owing people stuff because I feel like I don't want to be manipulated. I also don't like disappointing people. And if someone does something really nice and their motive is to gain something, get something out of it, from me or from my family, I will feel like I'm disappointing them if they ask for that favor or that thing that they feel we, that we owe them because they were so nice to us. I feel like I'm disappointing them, so it makes it even harder for me. And I hate that feeling. So rather than being, not being vulnerable, not asking for help, my response, what I'm learning that I, ha- that I have to build into my life is the ability to say, hey, I'll thank you and receive from people and let them know what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. 
and to say like, and to, and to not take on too much, and to put boundaries. And if and um, what I'm finding is most people, most people aren't trying to get some. They really want to give. They want to bless. And I'm blocking God's blessing because I'm afraid of this one, like this a person that might have a bad motive. When all I have to do is learn to deal. If someone's got a bad motive and they want something from me and they want they want to put me in their pocket so I owe them something, all I have to do is say, I don't owe you. <laughs> I don't owe you. If that was a gift, that was a free gift. Now, of course I want to bless. Of course, I'll even help someone if they feel I owe them sometimes because it's the right thing to do. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's the right thing to do. But I, but I can't let it control who I am. And when I looked at my pattern, that's what was going on. This is hard for me even to be sharing right now, to be vulnerable about my vulnerability issues. But I'm telling you, when I've started dealing with them, now I had a friend, Jason, come over and install a garage door opener. I never would have done that a few years ago. He really wanted to help me, and, and he came and did that. We had some other people come and help us uh, install lights in the new house that we have. And never, I, I, I would have just taken all that under myself or paid it, and, and now we're receiving. I wouldn't have done that probably a few years ago. God's changing me. I want God to help you in your area. You know, you're not me. You, you, you probably have totally different blinds. You're probably like awesome at receiving help and you give people the benefit of the doubt and don't have any of the skepticism. And, you know, but there's, there's probably some blind spot that God wants to help you with. Here's three questions I want to give you that can help you with this. I got I to gotta close here uh, pretty quick. Here's three questions that I think help you understand you. And I would challenge you to go through these questions prayerfully this week. The first one is this. What do people I trust tell me about me? I told you, I, I, I mean, some of these people were on our advisory team a few years ago. Some of these people are, you know, pastors. Some of these people were family. When I said, hey, what, what do you see in me? People you trust that, that have your best in mind. What would they tell you about you? Number two, where am I most defensive? Sometimes the area we are most defensive in is the area that we have the biggest blind spot. We are least aware. Are you with me on that? Where, and some of you guys are like, I know where they're defensive, you know? But where are you? Def- this is for you to answer. <laughs> I need to make that really clear. This is not just for your husband or your wife or, you know. Some of you guys might be writing me a connections card. You should do this again. <laughs> like, you need to go through these questions again. What is this for you? Number three, what, this is the most important one. What is the Spirit of God telling me? There might be something there. There might be something that you've missed. And there's, there's relationships that are struggling. There's jobs that are, aspects of your job that are struggling because of this blind spot. The last element is number, is number four. It's lead me. See if there's any offensive way me and lead me in the everlasting way. Change my habits and actions is what that's saying. Help me to live now like I want to live in heaven. If I got a horrible habit, help me to live a heavenly habit and drop that. That's why we're actually learning how to pray together. If there's a critical spirit that you have, if you're filled with fear, if you're filled with anger, if you're filled with greed, if you're filled with selfishness, if, you're, if, you, if you can't sustain a relationship, if you're a know-it-all and no one can teach you anything, you're like, why am I here? This is, I know all this already. You know, if, if, you are having a, if you have an addictive a problem, addictive personality issue, something along the there's something in your life, there's a blind spot going on, that one of the prayers you can pray is, God, lead me to a better way. Lead me. 
to a better way than greed. Lead me to a better way than the self-centeredness. Lead me to a better way with people than I, than the, because I'm destroying all my relationships. Lead me, God. And, and if we're going to change our ways, the book of James t- teaches us that we can't just hear about what needs to change. We have to actually do something about it. He, it, it says this, because, um, but be doers of the word in James chapter 1, and not hearers, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and, and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his face in a mirror, seeing like it all messed up, you know, like, oh, I've got, you know, I've got, I missed some patches of my beard, or my hair is crazy, looking in the mirror, seeing what you really look like. In verse 24, it says, for he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. Goes to the exam, gets told what needs to change. Get told what the diet needs to change. Get told what, what the problem is. And then doesn't take any medication. Doesn't change the diet. Doesn't do anything. Looks at themselves. Doesn't, doesn't change it at all. It starts, we gotta, we gotta have action. We gotta do something to change our ways. It's just, it's that simple. Sometimes people wanna like have some, you know, miracle drug or miracle answer. Like, you gotta change. <laughs> you gotta change. James 5, how do, we, how do we do this? How do we change? One of the big steps of James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. We need to be able to speak out like, I have vulnerability issues. It's irritating when people would tell me that. Like, what are you talking about? Now I can talk about it. And there's freedom there. There's healing there. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, like speak it out loud, and speak this to the Lord, He, God, is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, would you be courageous and willing this week to begin praying, God, search me. Search my heart. Test me. Know my concerns, my thoughts. Uh, reveal me. Let me know, what, like, what are the blind spots? And lead me into your everlasting ways. Lead me to start living now what I want to live in heaven. Help me to change and be the person that, that, that my wife and others believe I can be. Help me to start living into that. Help me not to be afraid. Help me to have courage. Lead me, God. I'm telling you, if you want that, you start praying that prayer. You start getting on your knees. and you start, If you pray for one minute a day, you turn it to two minutes or three minutes a day. And you begin asking God to work on you. Before he's working on other people, you will see a tremendous change in your life. Because that's just what God does. So that's the challenge, friends. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're grateful for you. Help us to, to seek you, God. Help us to be... Uh, people of prayer, help us to trust you, Lord, and to talk with you and trust that you, God, can be God and not us. And this week, Lord, I pray that we would maybe have some things revealed in our lives that might be painful. The exam might kind of hurt a little bit, might be a little embarrassing, but God, would you begin to change us and diminish the, the blind spots and help us to mature into the people you want us to be in your name. Amen.